Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. If you would uh, take your Bible, and I want to ask you to look at two passages of Scripture today. Uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 6, so we're continuing our study in the book of Acts. And so we're going to continue looking at this next passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 6. But we're also going to go forward a little bit. It's actually towards the the rear of your Bible. And we're going to look at the book of James as well. So Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to primarily focus. But we're also going to get over to James chapter 1 and and link these two passages of Scripture together. I want to first uh, thank Pastor Jordan last week. Uh, for stepping up uh, and taking New Year's Day. He says it's his favorite Sunday. Um, and uh, sharing with us what the Lord laid on his heart. He's an amazing, gifted, anointed leader that we are blessed with as a church, and I'm thankful to be able to serve uh, with you. Just an amazing speaker as well as worship leader. Uh, so thank you, Pastor Jordan. Um, but he, he took us through... Um, the end of Acts 4 and through Acts chapter 5, and really set us up for this Sunday. Now, I I have to tell you that this is a a passage of Scripture that we'll look at that, that I was preparing to preach something else about, and the Lord over this last week really stirred something in my heart. So I kind of want to go a little bit of a different direction, so uh, just set tight. I also want to thank Adrian and Daryl. Uh, for jumping in this morning when the projector decided that it uh, didn't want to wake up this morning. I'm looking up and there's five lights flashing on it. That's never a good thing. Um, and uh, they jumped in and grabbed this board that's so bright that I- I'm, I'm shocked you guys aren't wearing sunglasses by how bright that thing is, just blinding you away. I also want to say I'm thankful that in a week and a half I get to go to the eye doctor because standing up, I couldn't see it. I, I couldn't see that. And I was working off of memory for these lyrics. And I kept having to apologize to Abby because I was writing the song as we were going on that. Uh, but thank you, Daryl and Adrian, for jumping in uh, so quick and getting us something. So then that way we could have um, some lyrics, although not too bright this morning. Uh, have, you ever had a, have you ever had a misunderstanding with anybody? Has, have, any, have any of you ever had a misunderstanding with anybody? Now, I'm not going to share my misunderstandings uh, because they only give me about 40 minutes to preach, uh, and it would probably go way too long. Uh, Sometimes, just being humans, we have misunderstandings with people, right? It's a part of everyday life, and a part of what we have to do sometimes is we have to go back and we have to say, I'm sorry, or there are times that we are actually the ones that are wronged. And when we're wronged, we've got a choice. Are we going to soul up? Are we going to build a wall and say, hey, I'm excluding you from my life? And we could get into to all of that. But, but I think every one of us, at some point or another, have had misunderstandings with other people. 
Some misunderstandings are huge, huge misunderstandings that cause us to not talk to people for months, years sometimes, decades even for some people. And some are just simple misunderstandings that in the moment we reconcile and everything actually works out. I did a short-term missionary assignment uh, to the country of Greece. I lived in Athens. The first week that I was there, um, I was blessed to be able to just spend doing whatever I want. But the second week that I was there, uh, the main missionary that I was working with uh, actually took me to meet a lot of people in the church that, uh, that, we, that I was going to get to know and be able to spend a, a good bit of time with. But as we were meeting people uh, in the church, a lot of the ladies in, in Greece loved to cook. And we went to this one home for a meal, and they served the meal, and towards the end of the meal, she brought out something. I didn't know what it was, um, but the missionary said to me, it's spinach pie. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but there's two things I don't want to mix. Spinach and pie are two of those things. And so I said, I was nice, very, very nice about it. I said to her, no, thank you. Um, I, I don't want any. I'll pass. I noticed uh, later, um, over the next several days, that as I was around this family, uh, they, if, so if we were hanging out up here, uh, they would shift and go somewhere else. And so I thought, well, that is weird. And so I went back to the missionary and asked, you know, what, I, he didn't know, and so he had a conversation with them. Uh, and in my, what I thought was kindness to this family and saying, no thanks, I will pass on this spinach pie. Um, I thought I was being nice. I said no and thank you, right? I had my manners on full display. But she took that personal because she had prepared this spinach pie just for me, special. It was a treat for their family. And she had spent money and spent time on this, and she just knew that I was going to fall in love with this dish that she had prepared. And I had offended this family by saying no thank you. We quickly reconciled and we explained the differences in our cultures. In America, it's okay to say no thank you and we'll pass on something. But in Greece, if somebody prepares something for you, you've got to get it down. And so I ate a lot of stuff after that that I did not like. And I prayed so hard eating some of that stuff. Grape leaves, oh, I mean, who wants to eat a leaf? I, I don't like certain types of salad because it looks like leaves that are on my plate. Uh, but I ate so many things because I then began to understand the culture. Another friend of mine is a missionary to Africa. While they were in Africa, they actually um, became pregnant. They came home. They had their baby here in the States. They go back to Africa. They took their baby. Uh, I forget exactly how old the baby was at that point. They get back to Africa with the baby, and they actually offended a lot of people because some of the tribes that they were working with, it was customary to take the baby and pass it around to every single person in the tribe, and every person would be able to look at the baby and ooh and ah over the baby. And they, when they first got to see people, didn't allow the baby to be passed around person after person after person after person. There was a misunderstanding that was there that actually had to be worked out. This passage in Acts chapter 6 is one of the biggest misunderstandings that took place in the early church. 
So if you'll remember where we've been, the Holy Spirit has arrived, the church is spreading, there's been thousands of people that have been added to the church who've heard the good news of the gospel, they've witnessed a miracle. Because of the miracle, additional couple thousand people come to actually know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There then begins to be this move of the Spirit despite this persecution. And then we get to Acts chapter 6, and we read the beginning of Acts chapter 6, and we look at this passage initially. And we think that in this passage that it is all about people beginning to serve. But I want you to catch what's happening here in Acts chapter 6. So if you'd follow along as we read the beginning here. In those of Acts 6, chapter 1, or chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Isn't that awesome? Do you catch what's happening here? We've read about the thousands that have come to the Lord who've entered into relationship with Jesus, peoples whose lives have been changed for all of eternity. We get to Acts chapter 6, and we're about to get to some, some strong division here. But it starts out, Luke starts out by telling us, in these days, the number of disciples was increasing. It's a growing church. And if you've ever served in church leadership, this is what you pray for. You pray for people's lives to be changed, and you pray for the church to grow. And the church was growing. God was answering their prayers, but that isn't the end of the sentence. Next it says, the Grecian Jews among them complained that the Hebraic Jews... Uh, I'm sorry, let me read that again. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because of their widows being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you whom are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procorius, Nioner, Timon, Persinius, and Nicholas, and Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands upon them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So what's happening here is as the church was growing and a variety of different people actually came to know Jesus Christ, there were different cultures. And really what's taking place, if we were to do a deep dive into this passage of Scripture and see what's taking place, they actually begin to have, this early church actually begin to have an us and them mentality. Now, we read this passage of Scripture, and we think it's all about serving in the church. We think we've got to have our pastors doing pastoral things. We've got to have our elders doing eldorial things, or whatever that is. And we've got to be, have some people in the church that step up, and they begin to do the work of the church. And all of that is true, and that's the direction that I intended to share with you this morning. And as I sat with the Lord over this passage of Scripture, I began to see this us and them mentality that was taking place in the early church. There were these Jews, and there were these Jews, the Hebraic Jews and the Grecian Jews. And it was an us and them. And some of them were complaining that their widows were being passed over. They may have been fed a little bit of food, but they weren't getting the food that the others were actually getting. And there is this division that begins to take place. 
Listen, misunderstandings will always take place whenever you get people together. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And it doesn't matter if it's in a civic organization. It doesn't matter if it's in a homeowner's association. If you've ever had any uh, divisions arise in HOAs. And it doesn't matter if you're a part of the church. Whenever people are together, there are going to be misunderstandings and there are going to be disagreements. The beginning of Acts chapter 6 actually gives us a pattern and a lesson from the early church of the way that we need to figure out how to work through disagreements. And you think, the church is growing. We see when when Luke begins writing Acts chapter 6, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. It was growing church. It was doing great. People were coming to Jesus, but yet a division and us and them a mentality actually arose. If you've ever been around people long enough, this is the mentality that's going to actually rise up. So I want to begin this morning with a question. And I hope that you can, I hope that you can see this. I kind of can see this. Let me read it over here because I can see it better. Can the gospel that has the power to save different types of people also have the power to knit these differing cultures together into one unified Christ. We think about the gospel changing us, radically changing us. And it was changing people here in Acts chapter 6. We celebrate the work that Jesus came to do to save his people from their sins and then radically change our lives here on earth as well as prepare us for all of eternity. We celebrate that work That is to be done in all of our lives. But we have to reconcile what's taking place here in Acts chapter 6 with this question. Can the gospel that has the power to save different types of people also have the power to knit these differing cultures together into one unified church? Unity in the church is the greatest force that this world actually needs, and it only comes through the spread of the gospel. You know, one of the dreams that I believe as we look across our 90-year history as a church, one of the dreams that I believe that God has always had for this place is for us to live and dwell together in unity, that as we model that unity here in this refuge of grace, it would then attract people outside of this refuge of grace into a grace relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, what was taking place in Acts chapter 6 here is actually something that could have split the church and repelled people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But instead, we see the disciples actually step up here, and they then began having this conversation with these two different types of Jews, and they said, we understand what's happening, but we can't step into this situation and then begin to physically solve it. So we've got to get some other people to step into this situation so that this issue can be resolved. The disciples didn't just push aside, the apostles didn't just push aside this issue. They tackled it full force. They wrestled with it. And they said, listen, we've got to come to some unifying issue here. I wish that Luke had given us some additional scripture here so that we could see these conversations. But we see this pattern begin to play out here that several times throughout dissension in the church in the book of Acts, God begins to receive the glory because they seek a, to be a unified people 
that the gospel changed their lives and then they allowed the gospel to unify them and bring them together despite any differences that they may have. And I don't want to get political here, but on display this last week, we saw some division in our country. And I don't know if you've uh, paid attention over the last uh, several decades in our country, but it seems as if the political division just gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And oh my goodness, have the politicians given us an us and them mentality in our country. And us, we are always right. And them, they are always wrong. And us, we have all of the answers. And they, them, their answers only bring glory to themselves and make themselves richer. The enemy has used our political system to divide us. I like what Mark Lowry said. Mark Lowry, uh, the great comedian, uh, was with the, uh, the, um, the Gaither Vocal Band for a number of years. Uh, great, great singer, now out on his, on his own. I was watching something that he said uh, a while back, and he said, I, could, I, um, I chuckled at it. He said, I'll never forget what it was like when I came to the realization that there were, ever, that there were even going to be Democrats in heaven. Uh, and, and I like that because sometimes some people say Democrats are going to heaven and some people say Republicans are going to heaven and the other people aren't going to heaven and this and that. And, you know, sometimes it's just like that song. There's clowns to the left and jokers to the right, but here we are stuck in the middle with each other. You see, the enemy wants to divide us and create this us and them mentality the way that it was actually taking place here in Acts chapter 6. And if we allow the enemy to divide us, then what happens is we want to have a white church, a Hispanic church, and a black church instead of actually being together as a church. These were some significant cultural differences here with the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic or the Hebrew Jews. There were some major things that were taking place, and these were beginning to divide the people. But they said, we've got to figure this out, the, the apostles did. We've got to be able to wrestle with this. We are going to be able to come together and work it out. But how did it start? Look at verse 1 with me again. Verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, praise the Lord, the church is growing. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Do you see that word complained there? It's being complained there. It's the beginning of division. And sometimes we need to complain so that things can be made right. Sometimes it takes somebody standing up and saying, hey, there's a wrong being done here, and I want to bring attention. I want to shine a light on this wrong. I want to call it out so that God can be glorified in taking things that are wrong and actually making it right. Do you know what was taking place? If we go back and we look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, let me put it on the screen here for you so you can see that. In Acts chapter 1, 8, Jesus is getting ready to leave. 
He's setting his disciples up to prepare them for the arrival of the Holy Spirit so then the gospel will be preached everywhere. These are Jesus' words. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, these believers were still in Jerusalem. They had not fulfilled Jesus' words to actually spread throughout everywhere into Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were stuck in Jerusalem. But God used this thing to rise up, this division, this separating thing. God used this to get them back on mission. You see, what's taking place in Acts chapter 6 is they were so focused internally that they forgot the mission that Jesus had called them to do. And whenever we focus on self, we forget to focus on Jesus and the mission that he actually has for us. And whenever we are off mission, that's when we focus on our own needs, and that's when complaints sometimes rise. And you know what? That's okay, because we're human, and we will never be perfect on this side of eternity. What we have to do here in this refuge of grace is figure out how to be with each other so that we can be on mission to what God has called us to do. And the disciples were like, hey, we're not going to let this division exist in this movement of believers. What we are going to do is resolve this so that we can then get back on mission in being who God has called us to be. And what we'll see as we continue to go through the book of Acts, this division, this complaining was resolved by the disciples. People then were uh, put back on mission. More people came and fell in love with Jesus, and their lives were changed. And then the gospel begins to spread through the persecution that God actually sends. Now I want to ask you to turn over to the book of James, because we've looked at the problem here. We've looked at some issues here, and I want us to figure out some ways to resolve misunderstandings in the church. But I want to preface this by saying I'm thankful to be a part of this church, that we're not a church that is divided. It's been awesome to watch over the past two months, or I'll go back even to the past six months, in the ways that you all have selflessly served God. As we go through the book of Acts, what we want to do is study what was taking place in the book of Acts so that it can help us be on our mission as a refuge of grace and give us some steps so that we can prepare in battle against the enemy so that whenever he does want to bring division into the body, we're already prepared for it. We know some ways that we can stand against the enemy's division. Whenever he wants to separate us into an us and them, we're ready for that battle. Because we've spent time with the Lord, we've studied the early church, and we're not going to let division separate us. It's been awesome to watch through Thanksgiving as you all gave about 90 baskets of food, 90 90 meals on Thanksgiving for families. And then at Christmas time, we couldn't keep kids on a tree, the, the names and the tags on a tree back here quick enough because you kept taking the names off. And I, and I forget, it was like 60, I think, was it like 60 or 70 kids who had Christmas presents, a full Christmas on Christmas morning because you all selflessly served and said, here, we want to bless some other people. 
And if you look at what's taking place through our thrift store and the ministry there, not just in selling the goods, but in selling donated goods through a thrift store and taking all of those funds and putting it back into the community, we have served over 900 people in the last six months and blessed them with food, bless them with household furniture, help them get back on the feet. And this is coming from a church that is unified. And so I celebrate this body of believers that is unified and we are on mission. And we're not going through the book of Acts because I sense that there's any division. We're going through this passage of scripture and looking at the division so that we are prepared when the enemy wants to divide us. We say, no, 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 no. We are on mission. We are God's people. And despite some misunderstandings, we're going to actually get through this. So let's take a look at the book of James. And I want us to begin to dive through some steps, practical steps, to head off misunderstandings. In the book of James, take a look at verse number 19. My dear brothers, now that's also sisters. So don't think that we're going to exclude anybody in this. This is to everyone. Take note of this. Now, if the scripture says take note of something, it is quite important. And so we need to catch this passage of scripture. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, doesn't that passage of scripture just ruin your day sometimes? (laughs) There's sometimes I just want to say something. I just want to say something, and the Lord doesn't let me get it out. I go back to James, Jesus' brother. I go back, and he says, don't, don't forget. You've taken note of this passage of Scripture. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then he gives us the why. Verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. He did it again. <laughs> Sometimes you just want to get mad. You just want to get angry at something. You just want to say, just leave me alone. I'll be fine in a little bit. I just got to be angry for a few minutes. But James says, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Now remember, it's not just man as in boys. It's everybody. Mankind's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. Verse 21. Therefore, here's how we put this into action. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. The word, the word that was planted in you. Here's the word. You've got to get the word inside of you. You've got to spend time with God. Whenever we start to have some misunderstandings and whenever the enemy starts to come to divide and it's an us and them mentality, if you're not in the word, you're always going to fall prey to the enemy's attack of anger. It never fails. I've never seen a church that was unified in the word of God that was a divided church. 
It's always when we set the word of God aside and we start figuring things out on our own and we say, hey, God, I'm smart enough to figure this out. You've blessed me with a great mind. And so I've got this one. You've got other important things to figure out. So just let me handle this over here. That's when the enemy begins to divide. And that's when misunderstandings become prevalent. And that's when we get this us and them mentality that was beginning to divide the early church. And it's always when we set the word of God aside, that anger begins to rise up inside of us. Some of us have wrestled with a, for a long time in our life, trying to figure out how to deal with this emotion that is inside of us, that when somebody does something that we would say is just plain stupid, it just makes us angry. Listen, this is what you need to do. You've got to get inside of the word. Now, James was there in Acts chapter 6. James, history tells us, was the first leader of the Hebraic Jews, the very first leader. He was there. He's not mentioned in Acts chapter 6, but he was more than likely one of these disciples' apostles that were wrestling with how to figure this out. And then I believe it's no coincidence that when we get James's letter, that one of the things he says, you have to be slow to speak, slow to to speak. You have to be quick to listen. You have to wrestle with this anger issue that is the flesh wanting to rise up inside of us. And you have to get deep into the Word of God so that any division and any misunderstanding is automatically set aside and overcome by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, if the power of the gospel is enough to save the worst sinner, then certainly is it enough to certainly it is enough to overcome the misunderstandings that we have in the flesh. If God can save us, then God can unify us. Where we always mess up is when we try to bring unity among ourselves. All throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, and even outside of Scripture, all throughout history, when people try to unify themselves separate from God and His Word, it always fails. This is why we have to pray for our country to get back to being rooted in the Word of God. And this is why we have the obligation as a refuge of grace to prepare students at Warner Christian Academy to be founded on the Word of God and get the Bible deep inside of them so that they can be God's unifiers in this world, properly reflecting His image to a world that is lost and dying. This is what it means to be a refuge of grace. This is who God has called us to be. And this is the key to fulfilling the mission that God has actually given to us. Let me give you a couple of wisdom words here. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 2, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. The fool. The fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Do you see how the enemy wants to separate us? Do you see how the enemy wants to bring misunderstandings in the body so that he can say, hey, look, look, look what I have done. My needs are greater than your needs and what you want is less than what I want. Well, what if Jesus had done that for us? 
What if when Jesus was praying in the garden, he had said, listen, God, this is so painful. I don't want to go through with this. In fact, I'm not going to go through with this because of the pain that my flesh is actually going to take. I'm going to step aside from that and let's go back to sacrificing the old sacrificial system. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, not my will, but your will. He prayed, take this cup away from me. I don't want to go through with this. But he was on mission, living, chasing the presence of God so that he then understood what God had said. A fool, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. How would James say that? Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know what I've noticed over the last decade or so? There's this rising myth in the church that is anti-scriptural, that your relationship with Jesus is simply based on your personal decision for Christ, and you may have life change, or you may not have life change. Listen, the power of the gospel is not just so that you can live in eternity with Jesus. The power of the gospel is so that your life can be changed by the gospel right here on earth. Listen, you don't have to wait until you get to heaven to be changed. You can be changed right here and right now And thank God, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, we see the early believers being changed by the power of the gospel. Their life was changed for eternity, and then it changed them for the here and the now. And the way that you do that is get into the Word of God. I want to tell you, if you're not reading the Word of God daily then the Word of God is less likely to change you. If you're relying on one hour on Sunday morning, I don't even preach an hour. I could. I could go on and on. If you're relying on 45 minutes to an hour on Sunday morning to change your life, you're going to be taking baby steps every Sunday. And then taking giant steps backwards sometimes all throughout the week. You've got to get into the Word of God. And listen, the beginning of the year, as Pastor Jordan told us last week, is the best place to start. Get into the Word of God. Google the Daily Audio Bible. I love the Daily Audio Bible. It reads the Word of God to me every single day. And then dive into the Word of God. If you don't have a reading plan to read through the Word of God, if you've got the Bible app on your phone, you can go to the Bible.com. It's the same thing online. And there, there's so many different paths to read through the Word of God. There's so many different devotionals to dive deep into the Word of God. A great book uh, that, I, that I'm using right now is A Year with Rabbi Jesus. You can get it from uh, our church's publishing house. Uh, Warner Press, A Year 
uh, with Rabbi Jesus. It's awesome, and it takes you through the life of Jesus um, over the course of the year. You've got to get into the Word of God. That's how this misunderstanding was resolved in Acts chapter 6, and that's what James is saying here in James chapter 1, verse 21. You've got to get rid of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that was planted in you, which can save you. Let me give you another passage of Scripture. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. I love that passage of Scripture. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Now, we're good at watching our tongue. It's the keeping your mouth shut part. Okay, I'll say this. I am hard at keeping, I am, have a hard time keeping my mouth shut. I'm not going to speak for all of us as a whole. It's hard. It's hard. And you know what? Whenever you see something done wrong, our instinct, our flesh, we want to jump into it, right? And we want to speak out, and we want, to, we want to jump. And there are times that God calls us to that. But before you start speaking, you have to know that God is the one that is doing the speaking through you. Because whenever you see an injustice, whenever you see a wrong, we want it to be made right. And, and this, is, this is what the enemy is doing in our country, in, 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 our, in our whole world. He's pushing people to the front saying, fix it. Fix it, fix it, fix it. Listen, none of us can fix the issues of our culture today. It has to be Jesus that fixes the issues of our culture today. God is the only one who can fix cultural and racial issues. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 6. And they did not say, hey, go figure it out on your own sit down with a mediator, come up with some type of legislation and figure out the right and figure out the wrong and let's codify that in law and then let's just start living by that. Because I don't know if you've noticed it or not, we've passed a lot of laws in this world that people just don't obey. Have any of you ever driven 56 and a 55? You, you don't have to raise your hands, but we'll have the altars open a little later on. I will meet you there. The only law that can change us is the law of the gospel. And the only thing that can fix cultural and racial issues is Jesus Christ. And so whenever we want to open our mouth, we better make sure that it's God that's actually doing the speaking. Because there's been enough human solutions. It's time for us as the church that has the unifying force and power of the gospel to stand as unifiers and model that unity here so that we can go be the people that God actually desires for us to be. Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I included this passage of Scripture because of the last part of that. We all get the, in your anger, don't sin. We all get the, don't let the sun go down in your anger part. We get all of this. But the last part is what's so important for us. Do not let the devil get a foothold. Don't let the devil get a foothold. You know what's easy in our flesh to do? Is to let that anger build up inside of us. So then, then the devil has a foothold on us. He has his claws 
hooked in us. And this is what continues to separate, and this is what continues to divide. It breaks my heart that there have been churches, powerful churches, that have, been, that have divided. And it all comes back to this passage of Scripture. They allowed the devil to get a foothold. But the model for us, given from the early church, is Acts chapter 6. They sought the Lord in prayer. They got into the Word. And they had hard conversations. And that's what we have to do. We have to be committed to that. You've got to get into the Word. You have to seek the Lord in prayer. And you have to have hard conversations. And so my push for you today is are you living out what James has actually given to us? Who was there in Acts chapter 6? Who went through this division and this us and them in the early church? After they were growing and the cultures started coming together and problems started to arrive, James was there. And I believe, I, I don't know this for certain, but I believe this passage of Scripture came from experiences exactly like that that we see in Acts chapter 6. We have to be... Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. we got to get into the Word. We have to seek the Lord in prayer. And then we have to be willing to have hard conversations. Romans 12, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. So I want to ask this morning... What hurts do you still carry? What heartaches do you still carry because, other, because of other people? It's, it would be easy to hear this sermon and then go about our day, think I'm going to do my best, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to listen really, really, really hard, I'm going to try to understand, I'm not going to speak. But I think what we have to do Every one of us, we have to examine the past in our life. And we have to be honest with ourselves in this moment. We're not going to be overcome by evil, but we're going to overcome evil with good. Well, and there's no good inside of us. It's only God. So we're going to overcome evil with God, with the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us, the way that we see it play out in Acts chapter 6. But in order to do that, we have to be honest with ourselves. And what hurt do you still carry? Now, you may carry hurt for a very valid reason. You may have been the one who was 100% right in the situation. And there was no wrong and no evil in you whatsoever. But you may still be carrying some of the hurt from that. And I think what God desires to do in this refuge of grace, where we're all given His grace so that we can share His grace, I think what God wants to do is to begin to resolve some of that hurt. I've shared with you a few times over the couple years that we've been here now, the church that, that, that I grew up in. And I learned the right way to do church by living the wrong way of doing church. I saw the disagreements and I saw the fights and I heard the stories of the horrible, horrible meetings and the division and the people really taking their stuff and then going home and locking things and hiding things from other people. Like, I, I, I've lived all of that. I grew up in a church that was like that. But you know what breaks my heart? 
a lot of those people have, have since passed. And in knowing them, I know that a lot of them carried that hurt to their graves with them. You know, just being in church sometimes, we get hurt. Just being with other people, we get hurt. Goodness, just being in a family, we get hurt. But you know what? I know a healer, and his name is Jesus. And God doesn't just want to heal your soul. He wants to heal your hurt. And in order for you to be who God wants you to be and achieve the fullness of who he's dreamed for you, you have to let him heal your hurt. I wish that we had more of this conversation of Acts chapter 6, verse 1. But this is what I know. Those people that were hurt, they let God heal them. Because by the time we get to verse 7, they've reconciled, and the Lord is adding to the church again every single day. That's the beauty of our God as a healer of hurt. What hurt do you carry? Maybe you've been hurt here. Maybe you've been hurt in other places. Maybe you've been hurt by family, past relationships. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody even that's in this room. This morning, I want to ask you to surrender that hurt to the only person that can heal it, and that's Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.